welcome to Draft Sickos, the show where we talk about everybody from the biggest names to the deepest of sleepers in the NBA draft. I am your host, Maxwell Baumbach, and this week I am joined by Logan Adams. You know him from Twitter, where he is at Logan A underscore NBA and his Substack, LoganAdamsNBA.substack.com. He is one of my favorite kind of up and coming writers and voices in the NBA draft space. Logan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's awesome to be here. First time on a podcast like this and just very excited to talk hoops with you. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to have you here. You you earned it. Uh, I've really enjoyed your work. I think um, you, you've done a really good job in a couple senses. I think one thing that you deserve a lot of credit for is you've been really just on top of everything. You had a great recap of Carlton Carrington's hot start, um, like your work on Geo Ignite. And you had a really good piece too early in the year about uh, Star Thompson. And I think doing some really important work in the draft space as far as noting like, Hey, here's an evaluation that I struggled with. Here's what I'm learning from it and, and things like that. And it's something that we're, we're big on, on our end is saying like, Hey, here are guys that, that I got wrong. Um, you know, I look at Jaime Hawkes going off every night and I'm like, man, mm-hmm. probably should have had him higher on my board. <laughs> so it's important. It's important to, uh, to be able to do that sort of work. So we're, we're glad to have you here. We're excited for it. Let's get into it with our winners of the week. First off, uh, we're going to lead off talking about Judah Mintz from Syracuse. This is a guy that uh, I've had a bit of a hard time kind of coming to grips with and, and pinning down as far as what his sock is going to be and where I should be ranking him on my board. Uh, two big games for him this week. Uh, first in a game against Oregon. Uh, goes off 18 points on 15 shots, five assists, four steals. He did have six turnovers, though. Uh, and then against Niagara, uh, another 18.4 rebound, four assists, two steal outing. Uh, Judah Mintz is a guy that I feel like, depending on your perspective, you can have a wildly different view on him than oh, a different absolutely. evaluator. Like there's a lot of people that I see talk about Judah Mintz and they're like, oh yeah, first round. And there's other people I talk to, they're just straight up like, I'm not, I'm not seeing it. Uh, what has been your sort of prospect journey with Judah Mintz? Like, what did you think of him last year? And then what did you think of what you've seen from him so far this season? I liked him a lot last year. I mean, I had him uh, ranked in my first round on my big board, I believe, uh, at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I'm kind of at a point where it's like, I think he's still first round, I think, I guess. Okay. You know, but uh, I see, I mean, obviously, small guard, he's, I think, 6'1 or 6'2. Uh, mm-hmm. It shows up that way on, on film. But uh, I think he's got all the little small guard traits that you want for somebody that can create at the next level and is going to be able to do things on the ball. Yeah. I think one thing that really shines uh, from that standpoint is just how tough he is. Like mm-hmm. it showed up last year and last year, like I don't want to say it was like a tricky evaluation. Cause like what he is, is like pretty straightforward. Like he's a, he's a bulldog guard who scores and can pass. Um, but like he didn't, he didn't shoot it that great last year. Like he didn't take many threes. He was 30.3%. Uh, but he got to the free throw line a lot. And this year, he's getting the free throw line a ton. He's taking almost nine free throw attempts per game. Uh, like, it's so, I, and like, obviously, like we talk about all the time. Like, if you're going to make it as a smaller guard, like, you've got to have this, you've got to have that. Um, and like, he does have that sort of like, for lack of a better phrase, like, a, like the bowling ball body type that you kind of mm. need to have. He's um, very like rounded with like those kind of broader shoulders. And I feel like he yeah. just loves taking contact. Yeah, and, like, he didn't even weigh in that heavy at the combine. Like, he plays even, like, he's one of those guys that I think is probably going to be stronger than you would estimate based on the height and weight. Like, he was 6'3 at the combine barefoot. 
uh weighed 176 pounds but like he plays like a dude that weighs 205 like he's just able to mm. fight his way to his spots time and time again i feel like a, li- a large part of that is just the momentum he can build when he's getting downhill because he has such a like lightning quick first step and when he takes that contact he's so good it's like almost like a running back in a way because like he yeah. can take that contact maintain his handle and then shift his feet and go in a different direction and get get a guy off balance he'll get to the rim or he'll get fouled Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's done a really good job with that. Um, the rim pressure is like really high. Like he's he's taken almost forty percent of his half court shots at the rim. Uh, so when you're talking about guards that have been in that tier, it's been guys like like Jalen Suggs and John mm-hmm. Morant and De'Aaron Fox. Like it is not common to see a guy get to the rim this level, uh, this frequently, especially at like the high major level. Um, and then the finishing is is okay. Like 55.1% is like an okay number for a guard in terms of finishing at the rim. But when you're getting there that often, it becomes a great number. Like, <laughs> like if yeah. you know that they have to guard you at the rim and they kind of know to, to hang back and that that's where you want to go, it's really impressive. I do want to see him shoot more uh, from the outside. And the shot, I think, is really important just because he's he's very low volume from the outside right now. So if he goes up to the NBA level, like I don't think he's a great vertical athlete. Like I don't think so either. He can get up and dunk on somebody every once in a while, but yeah, it's not just like a super, super consistent part of his game. And then when he's at the next Mm -hmm. level, guys are going to be bigger. They're going to be stronger. They're going to be quicker. So I think it's going to be a little bit harder um, just to get downhill through determination. And I don't think his handle is like, crazy to the point that like he's going to put guys on skates all the time he's not as slippery uh someone like shay is where it's like he's just going to be able to to wiggle his way inside time and time again so i think it is going to be important to build up the respectability on his jump shot to create gravity coming out toward him uh because right now if he's just like a go under guy every time at the nba level Mm. um, i do think he's gonna have a much harder time especially because his pull-up game is pretty poor like 21 percent on mid-range pull-ups 26 percent on pull-up threes this year like He's just straight up not a threat um, pulling up, but he's been really good off the catch from three this year. Like he is, he's only taken 13, but he's made seven out of them. Uh, and sometimes that's all you need. Like Tyrese Halberton was like a bad off the dribble shooter. Yeah. And like, it was the off the cap. Like, that's just kind of like what got him inside. Um how do you feel about the jump shot? Because like low volume guys can be tricky because sometimes it's there and then sometimes they just don't take them because they don't need to. Uh, And like, he's getting to his spots every time, but like the form concerns me. He's a guy who kind of shoots it off the top of his head. um, Mm -hmm. Low release forward on that, on that release too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like, yeah, it's just very like out in front of his body in terms of like where it comes out. Um, I'm just not crazy about it. And I don't know how positive of an outcome he can have without a respectable three point shot. So how do you kind of feel about the jumper at this point? Like, do you think it's something that the volume is low because he can't shoot it? Or do you think the volume is just low because he likes getting inside? Uh, I think the best part about his like shooting game right now is just the way he can get to kind of those mid range counters occasionally. Mm-hmm. Something he did a lot as freshman year. I think it's just because of how, uh, I think uh, Syracuse is like paint was just a little more packed his freshman year. Yeah. Now it's a little yeah. more spaced out. We can get downhill a little more. So he was flashing that uh, mid-range pull-up or that mid-range counter a little bit better. 
form wise, like you said, off the top of his head, uh, he jumps forward a lot. It's almost like little Jordan Clarkson here. Um, mm-hmm. Upper body has a lot of context in it. It's like, um, it's just not a form that I trust big time. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what the free throw numbers are either, but uh, they're, they're it's something solid. That, they're like 75 yeah. and 78, so like not terrible. Not elite either, so you know no. it's like, mm-hmm. but. On the bright side, he has flashed that kind of mid-range pull-up, mid-range counter. That's something that I kind of love as an evaluator is the guys who can get to their spots and create because I feel like that does eventually as they add weight and as they kind of become a little more nuanced, it will kind of expand beyond the three-point line or just Mm -hmm. farther out into the mid-range game. Uh, But, yeah, as a shooter, I do think that it's kind of more, especially from three, I think it's more so definitely just like a – they're going to go under on me every single time because they know that mm-hmm. I'm more dangerous getting downhill. So that's just what I'm going to do. So that kind of turns into my next question, which is then, and like, this is like, I've been lower on Mintz. Like Mintz is a guy that like, I just don't know that I would draft. Part of it's like the measurables. Like I, I just like guys that are really long and he's like got a six, three mm-hmm. wingspan. He's, he's short. I, I don't know that he can shoot it. Um, if he's not like a 39% three point shooter, um, I don't know that he's good enough to play with the ball in his hands, like all the time. Like, and if he's not that, like, I just, I just don't know how high of a ceiling he can have given what the defense is. Cause like right now the defense at the point of attack, I like a lot. I love his hands. Like he, he's really feisty with his hands, but he is limited in terms of just his size and his ability to stay in front of people and off ball. He can be kind of a mess. Um, when he's tight and he's making things messy on another small guard, it's fine. But I do think he's going to have a hard time defensively against NBA guards. Um, So then to me, it just becomes like, okay, well you need to shoot because if you don't shoot and like, you can't have an off ball role. Like I guess I'm just not confident in him enough as an outside shooter to be like, yes, a team will let you run the offense all the time. And then if you're a secondary creator or like playing more of that, like tertiary role, next to somebody else who's leading a good amount of the offense. Like, are you going to be as steady as somebody like Monte Morris? Cause like, yeah. I don't, I don't know that he is. And then if you're not like, are you a guy who plays minutes every single night or are you like a third guard that gets minutes on occasion? Like that's, that's kind of where I struggled with him. It is a little bit of the like Shreve Cooper dilemma. Cause Shreve mm-hmm. Cooper's a guy I liked a lot coming out. And then ever since I've kind of dipped a little bit on that archetype, just cause uh like you said it's it's hard to have an off ball role when you're small and you can't really uh spray it from outside you know mm-hmm. um you're not going to be the guy that's cutting and getting it down low you're going to get swallowed up down low and if you can't shoot it you're kind of just putting one more on the ball defensively. yeah and if i'm gonna if i'm gonna play somebody who can't shoot why why wouldn't i play a guy who's like six eight and can't shoot mm-hmm. like why exactly. you know what i mean and like th- yeah like that's just where I, it gets really kind of dicey for him i feel like mm-hmm. um but it's and it's one of those things where it's tricky too because I don't want to be like, well, just shoot more threes. Cause it's like, well, for winning college basketball games, like it's probably best that he keeps playing, <laughs> that he keeps playing the way that he is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I feel like he's going to be a real, just kind of tricky uh, evaluation. So I like right now, I don't have him in my top 60, which I, I know is like kind of gotcha. outrageous thing at who you ask, but, but you, would you say he's like kind of like more fringe first round for you? Fringe first round, early second. I, mm-hmm. It's something that I'm going to have to see later on because there were stretches his freshman year where he did take, I think, four or five threes a game mm-hmm. uh, going down the stretch, which was like – and he and he produced when he was taking yeah. four or five threes a game too. 
so if he can kind of get more of that or even up the volume uh, a little bit down the stretch of this season, mm-hmm. uh, I, it's going to kind of determine whether or not he's that late first second round or that late first round, you know. For sure. I and think I think he's a draftable guy just because of the ball talent, the on-ball talent, though. For sure. Yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't begrudge anyone who has him there, for sure. Because, um, yeah, you're right. He, I remember that. He, sh- he started super slow from three mm-hmm. last season. Like, in – I'm going to pull this up. Prior to the start of January, he was 17.9% from three last year on two per game. So the volume and, like, the efficiency went way, way up down the stretch last season. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that that could happen again. Um, so let's move on to our next guy. This is another, we're really kind of going on a lot of confusing prospects today, which I like a lot. It's kind of a a fun little, fun little theme for this episode. Uh, David Jones from Memphis. So this is a guy that like, I, I feel tormented by this evaluation. So Mm. I did, I, so I actually wrote about this on no ceilings plus recently. I did a piece called spreadsheet sleepers where I wrote about guys that, um, really pop analytically, um in different archetypes and he was a guy that came up for three and d and i wrote in that article about how um two years ago like the first time i didn't know son and turn david jones was one of the wings that i covered and i wrote at the time i was like david jones like the shot selection is really bad and if he just kind of reels in the shot selection and gets the three point percentage up like i could see him being a first round pick and he had a rough year he was not good at st john's last year I shouldn't say he was not good, but he had it down here. It was under 40% from the field, under 30% from three. Still had his turnover issues, like whatever. And then this offseason, I was talking to another evaluator, and they were like, what's like, who's like the no sun turn guy you got the most wrong? And I was like, David Jones. And like, I was like, but now I've learned like a guy that, you know, shoots that poorly and isn't a great free throw shooter and is like bad in mid range pull ups. Like, that's not usually a guy that you project to like suddenly make a big shooting leap. And now this year, it looks like he's made a big shooting leap. And Boy, am I confused. So David Jones uh, has this monster, monster game this week uh, against Virginia. 26 points, four rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block. Um, On the year, he is averaging 20.8 points per game, a little over six rebounds, 2.2 steals, 0.6 blocks. Uh, and he is taking over six threes a game and making 39.7% of them. And he's 82.2% uh, at the free throw line while also taking career high 6.6 free throws per game. He's still a little erratic. He's still a little wild. There are still games where David Jones is chucking shots that I would really prefer he not take. Um, he gets a little bit out of control and like dribbles into trouble a lot when he is, he gets sped up a lot. He, he just plays too fast and it, it leads to turnovers, but man, when he is hot, like he gets microwave yeah. hot. Like this dude is on fire when, when the shot is falling in and he's a guy who makes a ton of plays on the defensive end too. And like, he's got good speed. He uses that to get into passing lanes. He can meet people at the rim. He can finish above the rim on offense. Like, he is a very physical player, like not super strong, not like unbelievably athletic. Um, but yeah, like I, <laughs> it's just one of these things where like, I, I, I feel like maybe I'm anchoring myself a little too much and I need to reassess and just say he's been really good this year. But what have, what have been your impressions of David Jones at Memphis this season? I feel like he like, so there's a lot of good role players in the NBA, especially at the mm-hmm. wing position. Yeah, a lot of them did play that kind of David Jones role in college, where they were taking a lot of shots that you will never see them take again in their career in any other setting. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and they made them and they looked good doing it you know yeah like yeah. He, he has that weird little sporadic pull-up game that from the mid-range where he'll size up ryan dunn and take a dribble <laughs> and hang in the air while he flies past and it'll just be nothing but net mm-hmm. but uh i i think I, I i trust the shot from the outside okay i think the release looks good i'm a big like when i'm i'm not a shot doctor or anything like that no, but yeah. when i look at bats i like to see the transfer of energy mm-hmm. i don't care yep. what it looks like coming up or i mean I, that's a bad way of putting it but i don't care what it looks like in the upper body just like if it looks like it's a clean uh from feet to shoulders to your release point if it looks clean coming off the wrist that's all I care about. Uh, and it looks clean coming off the wrist with David Jones. And he's got a little hang in the air when he when he shoots. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a shot that translates to the next level. And it's a shot that he's shown has a little more versatility than maybe we thought before, you know? Yeah. that And that's the thing, too, is, like, the confidence has always been there, which, like, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of, like, I'd rather take the guy who does too much then i need to be like hey reel it in then the guy where i'm like i don't know if he can do that stuff and like i know david jones can do stuff which like to me i would so much rather have that um i think the other thing i like about david jones too is that he um like i I think and i know like i just like complained about the turnover problem he's averaging 1.4 assists to 2.5 turnovers but i thought in the virginia game like he showed that like when he plays within the speed of a game. He can see the floor. Like he, it wasn't like a big assist game for him, but some of the passes he made, it's like, all right, like nice read. That was pretty polished of you. Like, and he had those flashes back when he was at DePaul too, that like, I don't, normally I look at a guy with like those kind of like assisted turnover numbers. And I'm like, this guy just doesn't know what he's doing. And I don't think that's the case with David Jones. I think David Jones speeds himself up too much and makes mistakes sometimes. But I think when he is like, within himself and being a little bit more cautious i i actually think he can be a, a pretty good decision maker on the right days i agree with that i think uh he's, he's like sporadic is the word i've used i think two or three times at this point but that's uh, it that's like uh, the word though like it is yeah, <laughs> like I, uh, i'm completely I mean, I think memphis also really likes to play fast they've got a point guard yes. who like is very flashy loves to throw the you know behind the backs and the step back threes and all that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. it's just, it's a a play style that i think he's having fun playing in but like yeah. you said the assist to turnover ratio is, has been uh not the greatest mm-hmm. but he he really can i think do a little bit of everything when the offense is slowing down and playing a little more to his pace yeah so i i think where i get a little hung up with him ultimately is like and let's talk about let's touch on the defense real quick like the the defense is is interesting i think like any kind of high high playmaking defensive wing in college like there are plays where he plays himself out of position like both on and off the ball where like he'll he'll try to go like at a player's handle too far to one side and then give up the other side it's like an easy driving lane um There'll be moments where he's like too eager to meet somebody at the rim. So he's like way over helping from the weak side. And then like his shooter is too open. Um, he can gamble. And then, you know, the offense gets an advantage because he tried to dart a passing lane and didn't get a steal. Uh, those kind of things happen. I, I do think mm-hmm. that sort of comes with the territory. Like, again, it's just my personal philosophy. I'd rather have the guy that like knows he can do that stuff that can do that stuff on occasion than a guy who I don't think can at all. Um, on the ball, it is best. I think he's quite good uh, because he is willing to be so physical um, and he looks pretty long. I 
I worry about if he's actually six foot six. Like yeah, when I he thought looks, he was seeing, I said Ryan Dunn. I think he's like six four. I think it's I think it's like a six five, six four and a half type thing. Maybe yeah. like six four without shoes. Uh, it's not. He's not a big forward. He's not a a huge mm-hmm. six foot eight, six foot nine wing that's going to be able to get those. Uh, that's going to be able to guard post ups too consistently. He's not going to switch out onto LeBron James and have too much mm-hmm. uh, too much fun, you know. But uh, yeah. And then offensively, I think the the frame kind of uh, with college level he's long he's strong he's about 220 pounds i think mm-hmm. um he likes that little face-up game where he can get into like a uh jab step power dribble into a guy get into those weird little faders or a up and under but uh mm-hmm. um i i i think it's going to be scaled down at the next level and i don't think you're going to be seeing as much of those uh gamble type plays on either end yeah. because of just his size and his uh kind of just sporadicness i i don't know yeah yeah going back to that word for sure if he shoots like this everything is so much more Mm -hmm. simple because then it's like you can guard the other team shooting guard you can catch and shoot you can attack a closeout you can drive in a straight line you can cut you can finish above the rim like it suddenly just becomes a lot more like easy to compartmentalize um i think without the shot because you said like because he's not that like big wing it kind of gets a little scary uh so i like what makes me nervous is at that height. Like I, I think the role, if he is firing on all cylinders is sort of similar ish to the role that Keon Ellis is playing in Sacramento, where it's like, he's this, he's this athlete. He's a second side guy. Like we want him cutting. Um, He's going to play off the ball. He can take a lot of threes and like that's primarily just how he's going to be used and then he's like energy and defense um mm-hmm. i think Ke- keon's like a better athlete obviously keon's like a, a wild wild athlete but jones yes. like does have significant strength on him um i i think like that's kind of the hope my fear is that he's more like javante smart where it's just like the shot isn't there all the time it doesn't quite click and then like the decision-making isn't great. So the bad decisions are just like a killer when you're not that level of shooter that like Keon is. Yeah. Um, I keep going back to like the words that uh, describe like inconsistency or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. This is a guy who has six straight 20 point games. A lot of them against great competition on one of the best teams in the country. Yes. He can produce and he has Mm -hmm. been producing and he's shown that he can be one of the best players on one of the best teams in the country. And it's just not a hard it's just like not a hard thing to like not doubt you know when you see for that for sure and like one of the things too is like i've, I've talked a lot about how i've i've been watching commentary with or, uh, games with commentary off this year in this game my wife was in the room so i was just like all right i'm gonna leave on commentary because she doesn't want to like be a weird freak who watches a game with no commentary on like she wants to know who these guys are and what's happening um they they mentioned during the virginia game that penny hardaway like said he's like one of his favorite guys to coach and I think like that stuff matters a lot <laughs> on the margins, like, but like not even on the margins, like that's, that's the difference between do you go mid second and like late first, like that could be a big differentiator, but yeah, to your point, like the level of competition is, is good. Like 22 against Mississippi, who's undefeated 23 against uh, VCU who like VCU is not the best team in the world, but they've got some like big, nasty defensive wings. They do. They've like, always got the that, wall like, and like Michael Bell. Yeah. Like they've always got those guys. 
29 against Texas A&M, who's always good defensively. 26 against Virginia, who's always good defensively. 22 against Clemson, which, like, matchup-wise, like, uh, I mean, that Godfrey guy is, like, a tough matchup for him. But other than that, like, that one's a little bit easier. But still, like, four teams, like, three of whom are regarded as, like, really good defensive teams that have the type of personnel that theoretically should be able to stop him. Like, I think I got to get – yeah, I think I got to get over it, right? Like, I just kind of got to get over it with David Jones and be like, yeah, you were disappointed him in a year ago. Move on. Like, I I don't know. If he keeps, like, there's, n- I feel like in this draft, I can't really, like, keep him out of the second round at this yeah, stage, no. even with, like, so uh, just, like, a quick, like, who, who would you rather? Would you rather have David Jones or Ruga Poplar? Because they're kind of in that same, same vein mm-hmm. where it's, like, physical wing, probably close to 6'4". Yeah, I think I like Wuga ever so slightly more. I think he okay. can burn people off the catch a little bit more. Like, I think he's a little more dangerous just in a, a more confined spot-up situation mm-hmm. where David might take his time a little bit more and get you a shot that you might not like as much. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think I lean Wuga Poplar, but... Um, I Wuga's mean, shooting it's, track record is better, too. Like, Wuga's always been consistent from three. Like, yeah. if nothing else and like that was his rep coming out in high school too so mm. yeah just wanted to bounce that one off you because that's like a guy that i'll probably have in a similar tier uh let's go to another just like surprise uh shooting breakout devin carter uh can't say wow. enough good wow this i is think as far, crazy yeah as far as the shooting goes i think they're my one issue with him because like obviously i trust the shot i think it's i think it'll go in at the next level He'll pull it up from 40 feet if he can on a certain possession. I think that's where my <laughs> issue lies because I think he does like sacrifice a few possessions offensively w- when he's just trying to get going from three. Yeah, and he can get it, and he can get it going quick. But uh, early on in that uh, Marquette game, where neither team was really getting hot, he was kind of taking early shots from deep that weren't going in yet, and then he ended up with five or six threes, and he looked like the best defensive player on the floor. Yeah. De- so Devin Carter, let's let's do some table setting real quick cuz yeah, this is this is like a wild one. Uh Yeah. He's he, out of nowhere. Yeah, sort of like he was a guy that like I vividly remember writing a quick hit about him and being like he will be a four-year college player who will play in the Portsmouth Invitational. And it's like mm-hmm. that no, like that might not be the case if this holds. Like there's that's no like way yeah yeah it was like i don't i don't think it was like a bad <laughs> eval at the time um yeah. so you played a year at south carolina year at providence in those two seasons uh was always a phenomenal defender like was always six three tough dogged determined like had some stuff to him as a passer but like really just a guy who would lock you down but in that same uh time frame uh 28.8 percent from three on like low-ish volume this mm-hmm. season he is taking 6.3 threes per game and making 39.1% of them. Yeah. I was looking at the numbers earlier. The funny thing is the free throw isn't like, I think it's below 70. No, it's, it's still, yeah. He's still like for his career, a 70% free throw shooter. Yeah. But the shot looks so good on film too. And it's like, it's a repeatable motion. Yes. It's something that he can shoot the same and off the catch, off the dribble from mm-hmm. 40 feet or from 20 feet. Like, it's... yeah. Uh, so like, I'm just like looking through my, my spreadsheets here real quick. Like guys with like similar numbers to him are like Malcolm Brogdon, 
uh Dante DiVincenzo was like in the same category in college Uncut. like around Devonte Graham like this is like in terms of just like volume and percentage like this is like yeah. really really good company that he's found himself in oh yeah yeah <laughs> and like to your point too like you mentioned like some of the pull-ups like yeah yeah like for sure he does like leave possessions on the table because he is your lead guard and sometimes the possession is just like I've dribbled up and I've decided I'm shooting it from 33 yeah. feet away <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, like he definitely goes wrong at times but like the fact that he is hitting the occasional logo range three makes me feel like like, yes (laughs) yeah and like he was never like he was never a bad shot selection guy like i i have no notes in previous years on on devin carter where i'm like why is he taking these shots yeah never like so he clearly thinks these are shots that he's going to make and he's not totally wrong um he's been absolutely right uh quarter of the way into the season yeah so if he is like the type of defender that he is which is like he's he's got some of the best hands on defense. one compare like one comparison i saw is from chucking Norts on twitter yeah he called Chuck. him devin caruso <laughs> devin caruso i love it because he, so... he doesn't get screened he just doesn't mm-hmm. and no. like can throw the biggest body at him and he will get skinny he will throw his body at a ridiculous angle and mm-hmm. he will stay attached and it's and tyler kolek had so much trouble getting around screens with him uh yeah on, um, he's just always in front like he is always in front like it does totally. not matter what you're throwing at him like he he will be between you and the basket at mm-hmm. every every second of every possession um and like he doesn't have like for a guy with those defensive playmaking numbers like doesn't do and i think it's probably because he's more of like a high block rate guy for a guard than a high steal rate guy like he doesn't get too cute like he's never like oh i'm gonna try to play him from behind and like poke the ball loose like he doesn't do any of the stuff that like most defensively productive guards do in order to attain those numbers like it feels like it's within the flow of the game and like he's a 4.1 block rate which is obscene for a guard Absurd. and Absurd. so much of it is the result of him just like yeah locking a guy down and people having nowhere to go against him and then he just sort of swallows him up with his chest at the end of possession uh yeah i like it is of guys who stuck in the nba at the guard position the only person i have with a higher block rate is Derek white and like craig porter is probably going to be there um yeah and that's what i was i was about to mention craig porter because obviously mm-hmm. i'm a born ohio love the Cavs. he's mm-hmm. awesome at staying between his guy in the basket and he averaged a block and a half too at uh wichita state last yep. year same same as uh uh devin mm-hmm. just yeah same as devin <laughs> yeah so it's it's been pretty wild. The rest of his game, um, I think, is more like solid than good. I think that's where I differentiate a little bit between someone like him and Caruso. Is I think Caruso is probably a little bit more vertically athletic. Um, mm-hmm. Like Caruso can like really get out and run. Like I think he's probably like end to end faster, um, a little bit more vertically explosive. Um, and I, I just don't feel like Carter is like super bursty with the ball. And I also, I also trust a guy like Caruso a little bit more as a decision maker. Uh, and I think that's true for a guy like D'Anthony Melton too, or it's like, or even like a Jafon Carter, um, where I think with Carter, uh, Devin Carter, there's times where he just gets a little too, uh, like kind of will just sort of play himself into a bad, like crowded part of the court and like dribble into it and then pick up his dribble. And that's the sort of thing I want to see him avoid is like, if he is this kind of shooter 
and he's got a little bit less playmaking responsibility, maybe that comes around. Like they, and they kind of have him as like the off guard now. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know how much I love the handle and the passing. And I feel like that's the sort of stuff that has to come around for me to get him into the first round. Uh, Cause if I'm just like comparing him to the other defensive guards in this class, like somebody like Reed Shepard doesn't pressure the rim at all. Like not nearly as tough as Devin going downhill. Mm. Um, not as built as Devin, not as strong as Devin. Um, but I do think he has a much better read on the floor than Devin Carter does. Same with somebody like Kylan Boswell, who I'm, I'm big. I've mm-hmm. gotten higher and higher on as the season goes on. He, uh, just bullish defensive guards that are uh, positives mm-hmm. on that end. Philosophically, I can go on a spiel about guard defense and how I don't think it matters as yeah, much. Yeah, as yeah. But when you uh, have it, it's, it's pretty valuable. It's like, pretty valuable. Yeah. Point of attack defense can win you, can win you playoff series and it can mm-hmm. uh, win you matchups. Um, but with a guy like Kylan, he's, I think he sees the floor better and I think he probes better than uh Devin Carter because Carter's looking for a shot first and sometimes that'll be the pull up three and sometimes that'll be a nice little rim attack but it's not always going to be a pretty product on the floor yeah Kylan is like a guy that every coach will trust like Mm -hmm. Kylan Boswell talks about like how people's dads describe a point guard like that's like how like but he's but he has like that new school like polish and flair with like the dramatic step backs and how low he can play with his handle. Like, no yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. Like he'll like, he's a little bit flashy, but he never, he's never biting off more than he can chew. Like mm-hmm. there's very, very rarely am I like, Oh, Kylan Boswell, like, what were you doing on that play? Like he's, he's yeah. very refined. I feel like where Devin going, Carter doesn't have yeah. that. Yeah. Um, that's that, what I was just about to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that's a really kind of interesting comparison. I almost, I'd almost rather have Devin Carter even with like okay. the flaws. Cause I think the defense is a little bit more translatable. I do think he's bigger. I worry about how like big Kylan Boswell actually is. I know he's like thick, but the height, like I, I didn't think he looked very tall next to Mark Sears the other night. Um, yeah. And Mark Sears is six foot one on a good day. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I would just so much rather bet on a guy that's like special, special in one regard. And I think that's what Devin Carter is on defense. And I think if the shot gets there, like, all this other stuff that we're talking about, like, no, he doesn't read the floor that well. He gets a lot of control. Like this stuff that we like routinely kind of see guys improve at the next level. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't, I I actually think he's like just been a little bit worse with that this year than he normally was. Like I thought last year he didn't like pop to me as like a poor decision maker. Like I think even within this season, I think it'll probably come around a little bit from what it's been. So he's probably adjusting to his new game because like he didn't play like this. (laughs) like the looks and stuff he's setting up now is different than it was and i I think he will be an off guard at the next level i think he he Mm -hmm. will play that Derek white role that um who are some who are some other examples of that the quickly possessions when he's in with brunson i feel like he's kind of playing that role offensively Mm -hmm. uh kind of like what Dejounte murray does yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. but where he won't handle as much or he won't be like you pass devin carter the ball you're expecting him to get the shot up quick or wait for a screen and run around it or just pass it off again, you know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that'll, that'll almost buy him some time in a way too, that it's like the game that he right. plays in a Shannon and NBA court will be a little bit more simplified. Like, I don't think anyone's going to play him under the pretense of like, all right, run the offense. Like that, that does help yeah. him in some ways. Um, let's move on to Yves Misi. I, I love this dude. I, I uh, 
I, I really liked him out of the gate. Like he's one of those guys that you see in the first game and it's like, oh man, this is going to scale up. Uh, mm-hmm. So he is a seven footer out of Baylor. Defensive numbers are, are wild. Um, I believe the steal and block numbers, I don't know if they still are, but at one point they were like superior to what Nick Claxton did as a sophomore. Um, he is really, really good uh, on the defensive end and just had one of his best games of the season against Duke. Um, a lot of it while guarding Kyle Filipowski finished with 11 points. Yeah. yeah. 10 rebounds, eight of which came on the offensive glass, five blocks and a steal. Um, thoughts on, on that outing in general, first off. I think, yeah. I mean, Kyle Filipowski is a guy who I think is going to be good. Uh, somebody mm-hmm. who I had in the late thirties coming into the year and he's soared into the top 20. Um, Eve has Mis- Eve's Mis- Misi. Had his, yeah, yeah, I think it's Misi. Had his way with him on the defensive yep. end. Uh, it just didn't seem like Kyle could get an inch, whether it was in the face-up game, whether it was in the post-up. Uh, I just – because Kyle likes to he, – and he's one of the best bigs in the country when it comes to attacking in space when it's 10 to 12 feet from the basket. Yep. He'll attack that, like, little bit of space you get him, and he will make something happen. He couldn't do that with Misi because Misi is just mm-hmm. so long and he is strong and athletic to where you can't get that inch with him. And I, I don't think Filipowski is a big, a, a great enough athlete to where he could separate vertically once he got that bump in. Yeah, and I, I thought it was really just instructive of the in-season growth that we've seen from Misi when you look at like what happened to him in the Florida game where Samuels just like pieced him up in the post. Mm-hmm. Like Samuels was like, I'm a senior. I'm more polished than you. I have post moves. I'm going to throw them at you and you're going to bite yeah. on every single fake I throw. And I'm just going to get easy one after easy one at the rim. And like Filipowski, I hit him with some stuff and Misi was either athletic enough to recover or savvy enough to kind of stay with it and keep a read on it and still turn him away. Um, His second jump is fantastic. Oh. Like, he gets up so quick. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's nutty. Um, and like, I just, I just feel like any criticism I hear of me see, and maybe like, maybe this is me being too high on him and like needing to step back. I feel like all the flaws I hear with him are like normal young big man flaws Yeah, where yeah. it's like, Oh yeah. Sometimes he, he bites on fakes and like, I ah, he, like he's struggling at the free throw line a little bit. And like his passing feels pretty poor. And like, I, I get that. Um, but I, I just think he's really good at a lot of important stuff, <laughs> which is like as reductive as it sounds like that is the easiest way to evaluate and find NBA big men is just like, do they stop guys from scoring at the rim? Do they score at the rim? And BC does I put that in, stuff. I put in a very simple Bartorovic filter yeah. like a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. 10 plus offensive rebound and block percentage, and then 10 plus dunks and a box plus minus of greater than seven. Yeah. The names that popped up were all first round picks. Mm-hmm. All guys who have stuck in the league and gotten second or third contracts, some of them even are superstars or multi-time all-stars. That's just mm-hmm. – it's a very simple filter. Mm-hmm. But it's like you got you get a guy who can get you possessions or stabilize possessions, who can yep. keep shots from going in around the rim mm-hmm. and just impacts winning at the simplest of levels that you look at, you know? And yeah. that just works. That works in the NBA. Yes. Yeah. I mean, for a guy – to have just the the offensive rebounding rate that he does is pretty rare. Like his offensive rebounding percentage right now is 21. That's absurd. Which and is you're... like Jared Vanderbilt numbers. Like Jared Vanderbilt is like when I say Jared Vanderbilt numbers, I mean like 
only Jared Vanderbilt did that. Like that is yeah. exceedingly rare company. Um, You're getting and then, your yeah, head like, on every ball that comes down, or uh, I mean, literally a fifth of balls that come down, which is yeah, absurd. that's absurd. ridiculous. Yeah, that's that's so many extra possessions for your team. Um, numbers in the defensive glass are, are, are more average, but like I don't think that's like an uncommon thing. Just like for a, a team that uses sort of like a gang rebounding approach. Um, mm. In the in the block percentage, it's really high too. Like eleven point five for for a block rate is is phenomenal. But he's also a guy that's going to be able to play in multiple ball screen coverages. Like he's a guy that like is mm. not going to need to be in drop all the time. And he's going to be able to switch. He's going to be able to come out. He's going to be able to jump passing lanes, which is something that you just don't see very often from big men. Um, and when he switches onto smaller guys, like they freak out, like they panic, they pick up their dribbles, they turn it over. Like they guys make so many poor choices when he gets switched off <laughs> them. That like, I, I understand he has his limitations as a playmaker and that he's going to be a guy that makes mistakes if he's holding onto the ball for too long. He's going to more than make up for that on the other end of the floor. And on the other side of the court, like it doesn't, he doesn't need to touch the ball a lot. And he he's willing to screen. He's willing to set off ball screens, which is like young, yeah. a lot of young big guys don't want to do that stuff. It's boring. You don't access screen. Yeah. Like it's not something that you get something out of all the time, but like he's willing to do it ridiculous catch radius between how high he jumps the length the power that he finishes with he's getting to the free throw line a ton um he was i don't know if he still is he was like top 20 in the country in dunks as of like a couple weeks ago and he's playing like 20 minutes a game yeah like he's he's a big time play finisher um and i think i think he's got some upside as a playmaker and i know that like the assist rate's poor he turns it over a little bit but i like how he puts it on the court um, I think he's a guy that like, if you look at the high school tape and I'm not a big, like, look at the high school, like I'm not a huge high school film guy, but I think mm. it shows that he is comfortable, like putting it on the deck or like turning the corner on another big man. If it's like a yeah. zoom action or a handoff setting, like I do think that stuff is in there. And I, I just see like a starting caliber center um, in Eves and like a guy that you're going to be able to do a lot of stuff with. Is he someone that you can run a bunch of offense through? Probably not. Is he probably going to be lower on the usage side of the spectrum? Yeah. But he has a lot of like rare tools. Uh, the teams kind of go out of their way to find in a big man. Uh, and I think playmaking wise, I think it's a smaller part of it, but I think screening does equate to playmaking to some degree. Yes. I mean, yep. Rudy Gobert is mm-hmm. Rudy Gobert, Jared Allen. Those are guys who, exemplify that in the best of ways because they will get guys open with screen. I mean, Jacoby Walter has probably scored a dozen or more points just off of Misi screaming, screening him from one side of one corner to the other, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So I, I really like what I've seen from him. He's like an easy top 20 for me right now. Like I think I've got him around 15 or so. And that feels yeah. kind of low, honestly, like if he is going to be a starting center in a class with a lot of guys uh, that might not be starters. Um, where where do you kind of have him currently? If you if you even have a board uh, at this point, because a lot of people don't. But oh yeah, I have I think 150 guys on my board mm-hmm. um, at this point in time, which I think I might even expand that because this class is so wide open. Um, I know, yeah. But uh, I, he's pushing top 20. I, I want to throw kind of a would you rather at you this time? Yeah, let's do it. Because uh, this is a guy who had big preseason expectations versus somebody who had mm-hmm. close to none. A Dembona. Or oh, Eves by like a mile. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty low on a Dembona right now. Uh, he measured really poorly at the combine last year, and I just don't think he got any better. Like that yeah. sounds really harsh, but I just look at the player he was last year versus this year, and I'm not sure 
that he's much further along. Yeah, that big, and we'll talk about uh, Felix Akpara, but Felix Akpara yeah. did a lot of great stuff against Dembona mm-hmm. in that Ohio State matchup. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I just think with the trajectory that he's on, um, yeah, I, I, I feel much better betting on Eves at this point than a Dembona. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to take a quick break. We'll be back on the other side doing some feature focus, talking about Zach Eady and Ajay Mitchell. We will be right back. All right, so Great. I'm uh, going to kind of take the lead here and talk about Zach Eady. So I've got a big Zach Eady piece coming out this week, and he's contentious. Like, he's one of these guys where – and contentious in a weird way. Like, there are definitely prospects. Um, like, I think Ky- like Kylan Boswell and Judah Mintz are good examples where, depending on who you talk to, there are going to be people that are like, he's a top 20 prospect, and there are going to be people that will be like back in top 100. Zach Eady is a guy that I think – most people that you talk to will be like, oh yeah, he can like play in the NBA and like, he'll like be around. Yeah. I think I, because of that, I think that perception people might have a much higher or much lower because the idea is like, oh yeah, like he's an NBA player. So some people that might like generally be more risk averse might put him a little bit higher. Mm. I think a lot of people like, why am I going to take like both and two points? if you want to be just like real regressive about it and be like, I don't see any real upside in him. That's probably what you're thinking. Um, I think Zach E is very good. And I think Zach E has a chance to be a lot better than people think. I think there are starting center avenues for Zach E. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to kind of run through some of the big, the big points with Edie. He is scoring 45.1 points per 100 possessions, uh, which tops like what Trey and Zion did in college is yeah. like, the most prolific scores uh, we've seen in a long time. Uh, he kills mismatches, but even like against Umar Ballo, like he still kind of got to his spots and like has the touch to finish. His offensive rebound rate, and we just talked about like a phenomenal offensive rebounder. It's like, this might not sound as impactful, but his offensive rebound rate of 17 is like a career low. And it's still a ridiculous number. Like he would still be the next best guy behind Jared Vanderbilt. Mm. Um, it's like 78% of the room in the half court. So because of this, like if you, if you throw the ball into Zach Eady in the post, you have to double, like you can't just let him drop the ball in the basket. And because he's strong on like a lot of these other, like, tall skinny guys like a like a taco fall or a connor uh, vanover like, or somebody yeah, like that oh, yeah exactly yeah vanover is like a stick and like vanover like there's a reason he was much better at oral roberts than he has been at mizzou and it's mm-hmm. it's physicality um he's gonna be able to get position and you have to double him and when you double him he's a good passer the 11 assist rate is really good uh, for big man but i also think he's reading the floor better and better understanding like where help is coming from and how defensive rotations work and how to better punish and leverage that it's not always the like into me back out to the guy that passed it to me and where the help is coming from he's getting a little bit more sophisticated as far as how he passes the ball out of the post and because he's got multiple bodies hanging off of him he gets fouled a ton he's taken 11 free throws a game he's making about 77 percent of them so he's a really good free throw shooter we talk in the draft space a lot about like advantage creators. You throw the ball to Zach Eady in the post and you have created an advantage. Yeah. Like yeah. I, 
and I I understand that like yes, the NBA game is faster, and that is going to be a problem. Like it is going to be an issue. He doesn't score in transition at all in college. Um, and then we'll talk about the the defense too. Um, what I will say for the defense is that Purdue is one of the best teams in the country at preventing teams from shooting around the basket because people don't want to come around the basket near him. Best shot blocking rate of his career this season at 8.8, um, which is also just like a solid number for a big. Uh, teams shoot really poorly with him around the rim. This is where the questions kind of start is like, okay, he has to play in a deep drop or in zone. Zone... <sighs> like the heat are like the big zone defense team in the league and they play zone on like less than 10% of their possessions this year. Yeah. It's probably going to have to be deep drop. Yeah. So it's probably gonna have to be deep drop. Um, The teams that have done well against Purdue are teams that have like pick and popped him to death. He's going to have to be like sort of insulated by his teammates defensively, because like if a guy, I don't worry so much about like the pick and pop thing. Cause like a guy like Zubak, plays on like a deep drop that's exactly the name that comes to mind when i see zach Eady is is a yeah he to zuba this the question i've asked like a lot of friends in in the draft space over the last week is like can zach ed develop if a Zubak's balance Zubak, like if you watch like how he stands and how he moves his feet when he has to respond to a pop like he doesn't like fly by but he does like enough to just like kind of get a hand in the way but still have himself on guard if a guy tries to like attack him and blow by him. And I think yeah. the hope is that because Zach Eady is a multi-sport athlete who didn't start playing basketball until he's 15 and he's put in all this work on his body, like can he get to a point where he's like 80% of that? Because that's probably all he needs to be given the exercise and the length. Um, and if he is, then you are okay playing him in drop coverage. The issue is still like how many minutes a game can he play? Cause like he's playing 30 a game in college, which is great. Hmm. There's only 10 starting centers in the NBA right now playing more than I think it was like 28 a game. Uh, I believe was the number that I, I went with. Um, so it's not like uncommon for a starter to play that much, but there are like for sure going to be matchups issues, like just stylistically from time to time. Um and then I'll, I'll kind of just wrap it up with, with the conclusion from the article and then throw it back to you. But uh, over the last decade, nobody has come close to matching the combination of his effective field goal percentage, offensive rebounding rate, defensive rebounding rate, block rate, and assist percentage, which I think shows that he is just like dominant, but also like knows what's happening on the court. Mm-hmm. Um no, the only other guys to have an offensive BPM over 12 are Keegan Murray and Zion. The only high major player to have a true shooting percentage over 65 and a usage rate over 30. Um, I look at guys like Brandon Pajemski and Tracy Davis, where it looked a little funky. Like Pods, it was like, well, he's small, he's slight. With TJD, it's like, well, he's not a, a center size guy, but he is a center because he doesn't shoot. And like people are going, oh, you know, is this going to work or whatever? And ultimately like, they were just really productive guys with feel that panned out. And while Edie might not have the feel of those two guys, he's probably more dominant than either of them were at the college level. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a chance that he is more than like a novelty. And I think the fact that he's beating us over the head with his production should maybe tell us that. And I have Zach Eady 20th on my board right now, which is like wow. way 
than most people. But I think with the feel and the size, I think there's a possibility that he's just like really good. Uh, where where are you at with Zach Eady? Um, and how concerned are you about like pace of play up and down the shorter shot clock, like the number of minutes he plays? Like, where are you at with all that sort of stuff? So I think the tier that ED is in on my big board currently is like 35 or 40 players. So it's very yeah. like fluid. Currently, I think if, we, if I assigned, if I was looking at the number I have assigned next to his name, it's like fringe first or second round. Yeah, and um, that's uh, where a lot of people that I've spoken to have him. But I, I do think that there is a path to uh, starterdom with him, mm-hmm. and I think it's going to be on that too, like alien path that a lot of big men have taken. Mm-hmm. And I think people will see the seven four, and they'll see the college production and they'll look at some of the highlights and it's a lot of post-ups and it's not the quickest looking thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they'll kind of just assign that, Oh yeah, this is a guy who's not going to work in the NBA pace. I don't think that's necessarily true. And I don't think it's nothing we haven't seen before, especially in the last 10 years, you know, um, he does get to a lot of his wor- uh, points through post-ups and just, being big and sealing off early and getting a good look at the rim through that uh, avenue. But he does have a couple of possessions in the pick and roll where he's screening really well. And then he'll come flying in behind the ball handler, catch it uh, like super high. And then he's just two feet from the rim when he's standing 10 feet away, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, he's a guy that you just don't stop when he's coming at mm-hmm. you at the rim. And then, like you said, he's a good enough passer where, like, you just, I mean, you can bring two to the, two to the wall, but you're not getting hands high enough to keep him from seeing the floor or pa- getting yeah. a pass over you. And I think just with the reps that he's gotten in the role that he has at Purdue, he's had, he was uh, all Big Ten second team his sophomore year. They've just run him through this kind of high usage role so often that he's adjusted to it so well over the time that he's had. And I think it'll, he'll continue to adjust the more as you scale him down, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's where I'm ultimately just optimistic is I, I think that even if the role is like smaller than like what I'm presenting is like the, the absolute best case scenario, right. Where it's like, he Mm -hmm. can like play like Ivica Zubak minutes and like be a quality starter on a playoff team. Like even if he's not that, I think he could bring like, obviously a completely different player than Nas Reed, but that sort of thing where it's just like, Hey, this is our backup big man, but he's going to kick our offense into overdrive. Like it's going to be just a different look that is tough for opposing yeah. teams to deal and with. Your, um, and your ball handlers off your bench might have trouble getting around him at the rim, you know? And it's yep. like, and I don't think he's like, like you said, I mean, he's going to be a deep drop big. And I think the roster around him will have to be uh, designed in a certain way. That which is a little hard of a sell for a backup big. And I think that's why I have him yes. that much lower than you. Yeah. Um, but like going back to Zubox, uh, I made, a, I tweeted about Zubox because I was watching the Clippers Pacers game a little while mm-hmm. ago. That roster has so many great perimeter defenders that they can make drives difficult. And if you are able to get low, you just have to get over Zubots and you can't mm-hmm. get over Zubots that easily. And Zach Eady is even harder to get over because he's 7'4". With, I don't know what the wingspan number is. I'm it was like seven ten and a half. I yeah, believe, was sort of <laughs> the combine, which like is like a nine. I think it's like a nine seven standing reach. Too. Yeah, so you're getting challenged on the side, and this 
massive Canadian monster is like arms up in front of you, you're not going to have fun trying to get that ball into the rim or even passed out. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm optimistic about him. So that's my, my heart sell for Zach Eady. Go read the whole article when it comes out. Uh, really yeah. proud of the work I put into it. Uh, the guy you wanted to talk about this week was AJ Mitchell at UC Santa Barbara. Give us a little rundown of, of his game for people that might not be familiar because he is like one of these guys that's playing at a smaller school. Um, but like if you're in like the draft space, I think he's starting to become a much hotter name. Like I know a lot of people in our crew see him as like a first round talent. Um, I've been mm. a little bit lower. So I just want to hear like your overall, you know, tell people who he is and then kind of give me the, the sales pitch on him. So big lead guards are kind of the hot new thing in the NBA. Uh, not super new, you know, but mm-hmm. AJ Mitchell is a guy or Ajay, Ajay. Ajay, I think. Yeah, I'll pull up this energy clip to get confirmation. But gotcha. I, I've also been watching a lot of games on mute. So yep, <laughs> pronunciations evade me occasionally. It's my lifestyle. Yeah. Um, but he's a six five, six six ball lead ball handler that handles it really well, sees the floor well enough, and gets to the rim better than I think any other lead guard in this guard in this class. And it's not gonna be Isaiah Collier where he's um getting downhill at thirty-seven miles an hour and he's uh doing some weird some like crazy sidestep around the rim protector. It's it's going to be just more methodical. He's going to change his height and his direction a little bit. And he's going to ultimately maintain the angle that he was trying to create in the first place and get to the rim, you know? And that's just a really valuable skill set. And I think you see the maximized um, aspect of the, the maximi- maximization around that ability in somebody like Shea Gilgis Alexander, who isn't the most explosive athlete. Shea is fast, but... Um, mm-hmm. He, but he maintains angles. He, and when they're stops, he can really just like throw a crossover or change his feet up or his height and keep going to where he wanted to go initially. And I think that's something that uh, Ajay uh, does really, really well. And then on top of that, you have some shooting uh, upside there. He doesn't take a lot of threes. I think it's like 4.8 per 100 possessions. Mm-hmm. Um, really low three. for a guard. Really, really low. But the mid-range game pops on occasion. Like, he'll have great games from mid-range where he's not getting downhill, but he is countering and he's making something happen 10 to 15 feet from the basket. Uh, or he's just flat out getting to the line and scoring. Like, in the Mex- uh, New Mexico State game, didn't shoot it well, particularly got to the line 14 times. Yep. I think he's just like a guy who doesn't have too many answers offensively. And even though it's not flashy and on first glance, you might say he might be not an NBA lead guard athlete. I think it just works. I think it works. And, you've, and there are a lot of examples of it working. Yeah. The the comp that I've had thrown at me a lot is Andrew Nembhard. Um Okay. I like and that. Yeah, he's like a guy that I I had a really hard time with, like coming into the year. Like I liked him, but then I saw him popping up on mock drafts, and I was like, I don't know, like six mm. four guard. Like I get I get the height, I get the the feel, um, but like just hasn't proven enough as a jump shooter. But like granted, was always like last year he was like a phenomenal mid range scorer. This year the mid range hasn't hasn't fully been there for him. Uh, but like good good free throw shooter on um, like a, a good number of attempts. Like I I get the idea of it. But just not a guy who's a great athlete. And in this era, like 
uh, a guard who isn't that athletic and like can't shoot threes is just like no, no thanks. Um, every time I watch him, I'm like, do I have him too low? Uh, because to your point, like just some of the directional stuff that he does with the ball, like there'll be times where he gets to a spot on the court. His hips um, are really jittery is one thing that I notice, And yeah. like he does, he's not explosive, but he changes his heights and like it, he has this like almost like crouching leopard kind of stance when he's sizing you up, where mm-hmm. he can just like go anywhere out of it, and it works. It's not explosive and it's not fast, but it's like it's twitchy and it's strong, and it ultimately leads to him getting to his spots. Yeah, and like he he'll attack it just like unconventional angles. Like there was a play in the Howard game the other day that mm-hmm. like he set up an assist where he caught the ball and like the player was the defender was like almost forcing him baseline and like starting to react as if he was going to go baseline. And then like, he just immediately took off toward the middle instead. And like, he got there and was able to spray it out for a three from there. Um, But just the like immediate, like, Oh, I know where you want me to go and I'm not going there. It was like a great way to just like set that up. Or there've been plays too, where like I've seen him, it almost seems like he's picking up his dribble in a spot where he shouldn't, but then he'll throw like a weird, like pivot body fake in and the defender will still be like, Oh, it's time to swarm and then get off balance from that. And then he'll create a mid range shot for himself off of that. Like mm-hmm. the gears are always turning. The gears are always turning with Mitchell. And like, there's just constant misdirection and wiggle and creativity and counters that like, he's not as easy to contain as like, a guy who with his athletic profile should be. And it's, it's, I think it's more than just like, this is where you're leading me and I'm going to go somewhere Mm -hmm. else. It's more like, this is where you want me to go, but I know how to get where I want to go despite that, you know, and I know all these little tricks that I can throw at you and all these little fakes that you're going to bite on, whether I'm dribbling or I'm shot faking and it's just going to work, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can't do too much. Yeah. I think that's just, that's where I'm at with AJ is that he just gets where he wants to go and he knows how to do it. So are you like uh he's like knocking on the first round kind of guy? Are you like him in the first round kind of guy? Or are you like, I, I like him in the second at this stage. I'm a him in the first round. Okay. Maybe top 25 type guy. Okay. Yeah. My concern and like why I liked somebody like Andrew Numhard better was I was a little bit more sold on the shot making difficulty from the outside. Okay. Um, so Nemhard was like another guy who was like lower volume from three, but in that season, like he was taking some really deep ones. He was taking some tough ones off the dribble or like with Mitchell, I just haven't seen a ton of like long range shot making that has me like, all right, here we go. Um, mm-hmm. He is 47% on the yeah. year. He's taken like 17 threes through eight games, which is not great. And again, it's like, I guess we'll just call it like the Judah Mintz question of like, well, are you not shooting threes because you don't think you can shoot threes or are you just not shooting threes because like, you know that you can get more efficient looks given the level that you're playing at. Um, A point that Nathaniel Miller brought up on Twitter that I thought was good was that like, we're not really going to see him play a lot of great teams. Like their schedule this year just kind of stinks to be frank. Um, 
they he's gonna play that New Mexico State game. Yeah, New he, Mexico is good and like not the greatest from the field night there. No, yeah, struggled from the field and like kind of had to resort to like foul merchant <laughs> behavior to, mm-hmm. to end up with an efficient stat line. But like the field was still really good. Like he's not a guy who is gonna like crap his pants when he plays good competition. Like the feel is still there. Um gonna play a good point guard on UC Davis next week. So that's a, that actually won my mid-major game of the week poll. So that'll be uh sort of like a decent test for him, I guess. Um the shot mechanics are a little wonky, sort of like arcs Agreed. it up his body a little bit, uh shoots it sort of, like not like across his body to the degree that like josh christopher did (laughs) but like yeah it definitely it definitely like comes up uh in a bit of a bit of a curve um i don't know if i if i was sold on the shot i'd be much more in i do think he's actually taken a a little bit of a step forward defensively this year um yeah his synergy numbers look great um Mm -hmm. i don't think it's like he doesn't generate a ton of steals or deflections or anything along those lines um Positionally, I think he's pretty sound. I don't think he's a leader yes. or anything like that. He's not Devin Carter. Uh, no, but, yeah. But he's fine. Uh, like he he sticks with guys. Like he he knows to throw his body on people because like that is an advantage he has a lot. I think he does well with ball screens on defense, which is gonna be the thing he's probably defending the most at the next level. Yeah. And if you're not sold on guard defense as a ph- philosophical like need, you know, mm-hmm. uh I think he does enough offensively. And going back to the jump shot, um, I think he I think there will be more threes going down the line just because like i said with judah i like from from a draft philosophy standpoint i like the guys who can create their shot in the mid-range because i think that in that modern in the modern era that will eventually spread out to two three and Mm -hmm. i mean he does a lot of stuff that i think looks like it will translate out to three one day from the mid-range for sure yeah i think i think it's it's not unreasonable. There have been a lot worse guys that I've seen people be like, I think he's going to shoot it. Like, actually, I, yeah. I do think he has like a real shot to be a, a guy that knocks down threes. Yeah. Um, I think he's making like 84, 85% of his free throws too. And yep. that's something you look at, especially at his volume. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's getting to the free throw line quite a bit. So we are going to head into our final break and we'll be back with our sicko session talking about some guys that are projected outside of the first round that we've had our eyes on recently. Stick with us. All right, here we go. So uh, I'm going to let you lead this one off. You had a couple guys that you brought to the table. Which guy do you want to talk about first? Uh, One of the guys prior to starting the stream that you seem really excited to talk about was Jackson Robinson. Yeah, uh, super, super just, oh, I mean, man, can that kid shoot it? Uh, uh, he's got kind of like a weird kind of sideways release. To, I mean, it comes across like, yes, other side of his head a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's smooth. It's, it gets up quick and it, and it goes in at 45% this season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just hard to like, look at the volume like he's taken i think he's taken a ridiculous amount of threes per 100 possession i don't want to put a number on it because i feel like i might understate it i want to say like 16 but it might be 21 at like yeah it's a lot it is yeah it's 19.1 yeah. <laughs> <Three> for <laughs> possessions and he's making 43.4 percent of them so the volume is you can't really quibble with the volume no and i mean he i think prior to coming to be or prior to this season at byu he was like a 34% guy, obviously on great volume, but um, 
didn't really knock it down at the rate he is. Uh, but I think with guys who do like there, I mean, there have been examples of guys in college who take good volumes of threes, but didn't necessarily have the opportunities to get going at, to the extent that Jackson is right now. Uh, I think he finally has that opportunity on this BYU team that likes to go fast and likes to shoot a, like a crap ton of threes. Uh, where he can just get hot and get going. And I think it's, it's continued throughout this season. Yeah. So Jackson Robinson, uh, six foot seven, I believe is listed height. He's a big uh, Yeah. He's a senior, uh, at BYU. Um, averaging, yeah, 16.5 points per game, 49% from the field. Yeah. The four, just under 44 from three on that absurd volume and 92.3%. Uh, from the free throw line. So obviously the selling here is three point shooting and three point volume. And like he is getting them up. And like, I, I think what I like about him is that it seems like there's more to his game. Like the guy that he reminded me of is a guy I spent a lot of time on last year. And before that uh, was, was Ben Shepard. Um, mm-hmm. Is it like, he also has that, like he's not cooked. If you chase him off the line kind of thing that yeah. Ben had, we're like, Ben, like, was able to see the floor. He was able to spray it out. If he got to the rim, like he had a little bit more burst than you might think. Uh, he wasn't the most like visibly athletic guy. Like Ben, especially in college was very upright, which he fixed during the pre-draft process. Um, Jackson Robinson is a bit better of a first step. I think he gets up really well <laughs> around the okay. basket. Oh, yeah. Like I, I really like how he gets up at the basket. Um, so if you chase him off the line, like he can make solid decisions. He can see the floor. Um, got that first step, got that rim finishing to him. Like, I don't think he's a guy that like, oh, if the shot isn't falling, like he's bringing no value. Like he's still, because he shoots so much, he's still going to command that that respect from the three-point line. And if you chase him off the line, like he is going to be fine. Um, I really like the defense too. I, I thought he used his length really well on that side of the ball. Um, love what he can bring as a shot blocker. I wonder if there's like some weak side, like rim help upside to him too, because of how well he jumps, um, really long. I do worry about how skinny he is. Um, like he's a guy who like wears a t-shirt and like, that's like Corey and Albert were talking about this the other day. Like usually like there's some sort of like body thing. That's a little like off one way or the other. If a guy's wearing a t-shirt, I, I do think Jackson Robinson looks a little bit thin. No, no. Um, so I don't know how big he's going to be so even with his length he's probably mostly a two like i don't know how many like nba threes i'm like oh yeah like i can throw him on him unless it's like a team like the bulls where like they run just like a little bit smaller in general um or even like i don't know like even like brooklyn on certain nights because like they they tend to play some really small lineups like that's where i worry about him a little bit is that if he's going to be like slightly position locked and then I'm also just kind of scared about the shot because I like, and I know that it sounds nuts that like, we're talking about a guy who's shooting and making this many threes. My one reservation is just like, he was never this level of shooter before. Like the volume yeah. was always really high, but like he was never close to this. And if he's like, if the volume stays this high, but he's like 36%, I don't know what to do with that guy. Cause it's like, then you're just like solid at a lot of stuff. And like 36% on like high volume is like good, but I don't know that I'm like sprinting to the podium to draft you if that's the case. But like right now, I think he's a pretty clear, like upper half of the second round kind of guy. If like, this is the percentage he's going to shoot. Um, 
And I think he would do on a combine setting because he is, if, if this is like the shooter he is and he has the feel that he has and the length that he has, um, I like, I, yeah, like I trust him as a decision maker and like, cause yeah, like you mentioned the shot, like it does look a little funky. Like he does kind of shoot it across. I don't know how that's going to speed up at the NBA level. Um, it's a fast shot though. Like it, I wouldn't be surprised if it was under half a second, like, or not under half a second, but like in that 0.55 range, which is yeah. like elite, it's not Steph Curry, but it's elite, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I worry about, yeah, the shot. And then I'm also like a little iffy. Cause like what made a player like Ben Shepard pop was it like he was a really good pick and roll three point shooter, really good in handoffs, really good off screens, really good in transition. Mm-hmm. And most of his shots are spot ups. Like they are mostly still like him yeah. catching and shooting. The transition numbers haven't been great. He's been good off screens, but he hasn't been running a lot of those. Like to if he doesn't have like dynamism as a shooter, I don't know how valuable that is. Um, would be my other like super like nitpicky critique of like, is he a, a guy that's like late first or is he a guy that you know, is like an, more of an undrafted type. Like mm, I want, yeah. And like, is he a specialist that is almost easy to scheme for because he's not going to like run around. He's not going to make life more difficult for the defense. Like they don't mm-hmm. really have to pay that much attention to him because it's only from a standstill uh, would be sort of my other concern with him, I guess. But all in all, I think, I think he's like a real prospect. <laughs> like I think he's a guy that if the draft was tomorrow, I'd probably take him in the second round um do you sort of have him in that sort of second round range or do you think he's more like pushing first i think so i mm-hmm. i try i think it's a i think he's a draftable prospect at this point in time i want to see it maintain because that's like my biggest yeah. thing i think he was like he's like he went uh like well let me pull up the numbers he went uh 83 of 249 from 33 percent for the rest of his career or for the three years prior to this 45%. He's already made 43 threes this year. Um, I I want to see it sustain. That's my biggest thing. I like I think the volume will stay up, but if he can even stay around that 38 or 39% range and flash a little more versatility on his shots, I think that's what's going to sell it for me. I think a high-end outcome for him would be somebody like Trey Murphy, uh, who I brought up prior to the pod starting. Um, I think Trey's got star upside, but on a lower end spe- spectrum, I think just a guy who can knock down that shot, a guy who can run off the screen and relocate. Because mm-hmm. um, he does have a couple possessions where he'll attack a closeout, nothing really materializes, so he'll pass it off, and then he'll run to the other ba- side of the baseline, or he will uh, come off of an exit screen or a flare screen, and he will catch and fire. And it'll, it wasn't the first look, but it was the look that mm-hmm. got up and went in, and it looked good. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, think where was- I... Yeah, where I would like almost like push back on like the Trey Murphy thing is just like Trey was longer. Like Trey's like six yeah. nine. No, absolutely. He was coming he's, in stronger and more he's athletic. Strong. Like he's stronger than yeah. he looks. He's a little skinny, but he, I mean, he bounce. He's got bounce, and he, I mean, Trey, Trey will soar above the rim if he can get a mm-hmm. good look, good runway too. And I don't think Jackson's the same. Uh, like you get him a launch pad to get off two feet, and he's going to go and finish above the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he does have some upside when it comes to finishing, and I do like the Thank way you. that he gets off the floor. Yeah, but I think it is a little, um, I think it is a little limited in the ways that he can get that kind of running start because mm-hmm. I don't think the handle is as great, and I think the turnover it's numbers fine. are, yeah. yeah, I think the turnover numbers are a little higher than you'd want for kind of an off ball wing. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
yeah, it's a it's a it's kind of a limited handle, uh, not super creative. Can't really change direction on the move with it as well mm-hmm. as you might want, uh, even to a kind of more basic degree. But I mean, what you're really selling is the shot, and if the shot maintains, stays in that absurd volume, and even if it trails off a little bit, I think it can be like an elite shot, and I think you will perform well at like combine situations too. For sure. Yeah. So let's let's jump to. Uh... My next guy here, I've got Adama Alpha Ball, uh, who's been playing. Yeah, he's been playing in Santa Clara. And like, I think there's a chance he makes a first round push. Like, Mm. I loved him. I did mid-major game of the week where they played Utah State a week ago. And like, since then, I've I've spent quite a bit of time on his film. And like, I'm super interested. He's got 50, 40, 88 splits right now. Um, Six, seven. yes yeah that's that's the thing with him is like he he was always a shooter um but a couple Mm. things happened at santa clara the first is that he's like he's really filled out his frame like i think he he used to look really skinny and this year like arizona and now he looks like an actual nba wing yep he looks like a grown man now um just from like an anthro perspective i i like how he gets off one foot i like his speed i think he's like good end to end and like yeah he's got that size on him now um the defense like isn't anything crazy but i don't think it's bad i like how he uses his feet and his length i think he contains the ball well um not like a big playmaker but a guy who will force bad contested shots um and then offensively like i just think he's a real deal shot maker um hit some hit some big ones from deep really explosive off one can finish above the rim uh does not mind contact at all uh tough player uh, but also a really smart player too. Like I think the stuff that he's done with his dribble and his handle is stuff that like, I just didn't really get to show at Arizona where it's like, kind of just stay your spotting up. He's got some shake to him. He can change speeds. Well, um, plays at different speeds. So like when he needs to just like get downhill, he can, but if he needs to hesitate, if he needs to pull back, like he's under control at all times and is able to kind of leverage that to his ability. And also just like play off of two feet, keep his eyes up for teammates, find the open man, like 3.1 assist to 2.4 turnovers. Like, is he turning it over a little bit more than I'd like to? Yeah. But like for a guy to just suddenly have a starring role and only turn it over that much while finding his teammates as often as Adam Alpha Ball has done, like I'm really impressed by it. I think, I mean, like 50, he's 50, 40, 88, and he's six, seven in athletic, like why don't I have this guy in the first round? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being like a little too simplistic with it. And like, I'm just a little lost in the sauce of like finding a sleeper that I really enjoy, but I think he's awesome. I think simplifying it to that degree though, can like help scouting a little bit to some extent. Mm-hmm. Cause you're not, it's, it's, it's less projection in that sense. Like um, you're not looking at something that you're like, okay, I want this to be there. And I think it will be there maybe sometime you're looking at this and you're saying, this is there and I see it. And with Adama, I mean, it will scale too. Like he, he, he had that role at Arizona where he was spot up, but now you, you see him at Santa Clara and he is, um, he's running pick and rolls and he's isolating and he's getting to his shots in all these different ways and it's working for him. And like, I mean, it's going to look good no matter how many touches or possessions he's getting in a game. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw up this comment from uh, Dirty Dancer. He says he was so passive at Arizona, he will defer an NBA two. I'm not like positive that that's the case. I think sometimes guys like 
I think guys need stuff to happen to them. And that's like, I realize that's like a very broad phrase, but like, I, I just think players develop like as basketball players, but also psychologically in different ways. And I think sometimes yeah. like just getting that reaffirmation of like, Hey, look how talented you are. Like you can be the guy is like a thing that can get people over that hump. And I, I, mean, I look think. At, yeah. mm-hmm. Look at Brandon Pajemski. I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it, <laughs> it's a circumstance. I remember if he was, he was at Illinois the yep. year prior to Santa Clara, right? Mm-hmm. He, I think he averaged 2.3 points per game or something. <laughs> incredibly low and then he comes in and he's like a 19 10 and 5 guy <laughs> or like a 19 5 <laughs> yeah. guy you know uh he and he's been awesome with the warriors so far too mm-hmm. like game winning charge and free throws to seal the game and a, a couple nights ago i think i mean and that just goes to i mean the run that santa clara on is just so fun to watch so many fun prospects with, yeah um but i do think I, I mean as far as deferment goes in the nba I just don't see that happening because he has kind of can't come into this role and it doesn't look like he's looking, he's ever had a sign of looking back, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I feel like I have not, at least in the games that I've watched, like watched the game where it felt like he was rattled, like even like the San Jose mm-hmm. state game. And like, I almost wish they would feed him more, like not to like dump on another player, but like, I feel like Carlos Marshall has the ball and is shooting a lot on that team. And I'm like, please give a dumb basketball. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think he's a better scorer and a better decision maker. Um, yeah. Like even like in the San, the, the San Jose state game, it's like five assists, 14 points. And it's like a quiet 14.5 assist game where he's still like super efficient. And I don't know, like even when he is like scaling back and roll on this team, I, I, I love how it looks, but, occasionally has those games uh where he just like gets going and he's dominant like dropped the the 23 points on the, in the win over washington state like when he gets going he is he is really good um very very excited about him uh let's go to oh sorry go ahead oh never mind i was gonna make one last point the one yeah, game where i think he was kind of stunted a little bit uh recently the one that i've watched is the ohio state game i think uh Ohio State has a lot of long wings not that are kind of playing. They play a little more forward than wing, but like Evan Mahaffey, um, some just some of those other guys that are even like good, Middleton or a Jameson Battle, who's like thick. Yeah, like there's just different Jameson body types, and he can mm-hmm. move around. Um, he struggled a little bit to get a shot off. I think he had like 13, 11 or thirteen points. Mm-hmm. Didn't do too well, um, but. The shots he were getting, he was getting were makeable shots for him. They just got that little extra contest, and they didn't go. But mm-hmm. I think, I think the the pace that he's at, the 50, 48, 88 splits, splits mm-hmm. I think that is sustainable. I think to yeah. some degree, it might come down and might even out, but I think it's sustainable. Yeah. Well, and he, and he had like the twenty three against Washington State, uh, mm-hmm. twenty two against Cal, twenty five against Oregon, twenty three against Stanford. Like he is having really good games against high major teams, and like. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of thinking he might be a, a first round guy the next time I, I update my board. Um, let's, let's go to Ray J Dennis, uh, who is like your next guy. So Ray J I yeah. always rooted for yeah. He's, he's like from the same like Southwest suburb area of if Illinois that I'm from. So I've always rooted for him because he like played in like Lombard and Oswego and like the, the towns around me. Uh, nice. And now seeing him at Baylor is always very exciting. What are your kind of thoughts on Ray J? Like, where do you see him sort of falling in the pecking order of, of the draft? Cause he is a grad. So like, he's, this is it. Like he's going yeah. in this year. I watched a lot of him last year at Toledo. Cause obviously I, I mean, I go to Ohio university, which is in mm-hmm. the Mac with Toledo had a lot of chances to watch him play. 
he was like the and this is a steep comparison, but he was like the Mac version of Jalen Brunson. Uh, just <laughs> yeah. this smaller guard who can probe in the mid-range area. He has great, great footwork, and he is dangerous around the rim because of it. Not the most explosive guy, but just such a mistake, like non – like he just doesn't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And it's so fun to watch. And I, you, you will listen to the broadcast of those Baylor games – and they cannot stop raving about how well this guy finishes at the rim for his size. I, like, I don't know. Let me pull up the half court number for the finishing because I think it is like, it's like around 70%. It's he's really uh, during this year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So at the rim this year, he is 63% in that and just overall, but still for a guy who's like 6'2. That's, that's, a, that's a high number for like any nonsense. That's a high number. <laughs> Like we were looking at Judah Mintz earlier, fifty-five percent. That's like good for a guard that size. Ray J is about the same size. He's a little more thick, you know. He's a little thicker. He's a little uh, not as bursty, but I think he has got like the better balance. Yeah. Um. He but sixty-three percent is a wild number around the rim, and it shows up that way on film because he's just such a crafty finisher, and he's shooting forty percent from three. <laughs> yeah, I. I have a hard time with him. So he was awesome at Toledo, like straight up, just 26 guy. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, I just don't know how well he's going to translate up in terms of speed. And I think even in like high major games, it's like started to show up a little bit. So like, I think they've played seven high major games and he's averaging 4.7 turnovers in those games. And like mm-hmm. the assist totals are really high. Like he's still averaging 6.4 assists per game. Um, I just worry about like I, like the finishing. I don't worry about, but I worry about like his decision making when the game gets sped up. Because um, I do think it fades a little bit, and he's another guy where like he's a low volume three point shooter, and he's never been great at the free throw line. Like last year, he was thirty six point six percent, four point one a game, which were like both were career highs. This year, he's at forty one point two, but the volume is down, and like the defense has always just been like like I, i've never like had had really strong opinions about his defense one way or the other um i think he does struggle to stay in front when it is a guy that's like more athletic um i don't know i he's like a tough nut to crack for me like i think there are times where i i see the path for him to be like a like a high-end sort of Portsmouth invite who like does really well there and just like picks everybody apart with this feel. And then there are other times where I'm just like, is he, would I rather bet on another small guard that has like something more physical that I can bet on? Like, would I rather bet on the toughness of a Judah Mintz or like the speed of a Donovan Dent or something like that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think that's where I get hung up with Ray J is like, he's just very average from like a physical athleticism standpoint that like everything has to be perfect. Like he doesn't have margin for error with a shot. He doesn't have margin for error with the playmaking because of like the physical curve that he's going to be behind. So that's where I get like a little hung up with him. So do you see him more as like a Portsmouth kind of guy or do you see him as like, no, for sure he's going like straight to the NBA combine. I see a path to being a, you know, two or three contract NBA backup point guard, you know, okay. uh, where he's, maybe not getting 20 minutes a game on most mm-hmm. of those years, but he's coming in, he's making a solid impact. He's running the off and running the second unit. Uh, and he's just like, 
not a guy who you're mad at for trying to score, you know, out of the pick and roll. Yeah. I mean, he's, I think he's getting about seven and a half pick and rolls a game ran for him. And mm-hmm. he's uh, like, let me pull up the synergy numbers. It's, it's about 0.8 points per possession, which isn't like super above and beyond, but he's also averaging like 13 assists per hundred possessions. And he's uh, getting 27 points as well. And he's super efficient scoring and he knows where he can score. Yeah. Um, it's just, I like the small, like, I feel like the trend I'm noticing is that I like the smaller and kind of yeah. more methodical guards a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, not top end speed, but I feel like he plays an NBA style. And I think it's going to be one that either gets him a summer league spot. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one that'll get him a two way contract through that. So what? What do you think could get him over the hump that didn't get Colin Gillespie over the hump? I guess would be like my question. Cause like Gillespie was a guy who was like really methodical, interesting decision maker, not the fastest, but could like vomit from three. And like, he still just like, hasn't earned those minutes yet. Cause like when I look at a lot of these guys that are like six, one, six, two, it's like your Craig Porter's like your Devonte Graham's like, Javon Carter, like uh, even like a guy like Kira Lewis, who hasn't like super carved out a role yet, but is like super athletic, or a guy like Malachi Flynn, who was like really productive in college, or Miles McBride was like big time college defender, huge yeah. wingspan. Like Peyton Pritchard can shoot the cover off the ball and play make a little bit and can really get up. Like I just feel like Ray J to me, like when I look at the guys that have made it in that mold, like I just I I, I just feel like the margin for error is so small that like yeah. that's why I see him more in that like Portsmouth tier. I feel like he's arguably the best playmaker or passer out of the guys that you brought up there. Uh, and I think it's been unlocked with this Baylor team, just the offense that they run, because they run such a spaced floor with so many good screeners. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he just has – he's got every pass in the book. He loves throwing those entry passes. And uh, great, he's a great just passer out of a drive too. Um yeah, I don't know. I because those are a lot of names that I think I had around the same range in the draft, which I think Ray J is like a fifty to seventy kind of guy on my board. Um, so not like I'm not pushing for like yeah, he's a surefire draftable guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just really think he's fun to watch, and I think that he probably will get a kind of two way contract, and I think a high end outcome is backup point guard on some good mm-hmm. teams. Yeah, I feel like I, I want to see where the like uh, like turnovers and decision making settle when they get to conference play. Like, I think that's going to be like the big, the big thing. That's right. Yeah, is like what's going to kind of because that competition is not the same as Big Twelve competition at all. For sure, it's tough. Big Twelve is tough. Like, there's not a lot of leagues compared to Big Twelve. Uh, mm-hmm. Then the last one we're going to hit here is Felix Okpara at Ohio State. Um, I'm like a little like confused about Okpara from the standpoint of like I, I'm not quite sure what the timeline is like. Yeah, I don't want to throw anything out there as fact, but there is yeah, rumors yeah. about like age and him being maybe not as not 19, you know. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, that that happens to a lot of guys. Um, which I I don't usually trust that sort of information, but that I, is something that I think has kept him out of circles maybe silently. Got it. That's that's good to know. Um I yeah, and I think that could like make the hypothetical I'm gonna ask you maybe a little bit less of a hypothetical and more something may actually happen. Uh, so Okpara is 6'11", uh, pretty nimble, filled out a little bit, still on the skinnier side, I think probably around like 220, 230, if I'm not mistaken. Um, 
Yeah, he's pretty solid. Ridiculously long, like probably a guy that's going to measure with a very, very plus wingspan. Tough to get around offensively. Um, I think where he's improved a lot this year is like when he does switch down. Last year, I hated him switch down. Like he's one of those guys like profiles as a defender who should be able to switch. And like you just put his hands all over guys and foul constantly mm-hmm. anytime okay. he was switched. And like he does, he does still foul quite a bit, but like it's the switching and fouling has gotten a little bit better. Uh, but even like in drop coverage, I really like him a lot. He's just tough to shoot over. Um, really fast hand speed, like just tracks the ball super well and gets the ball really fast. Uh, just a massive deterrent around the basket. He's averaging 2.3 blocks per game, got like a 12.3 block rate, which is outrageous. And he's a guy that can rim run. Like he's he's finishing really efficiently inside. Um, does he space the floor? No. Is he a great passer? No. But is he a guy that has fantastic measurables and can run the court and hang with anybody and block a lot of shots? Yeah. And like, I look at uh, at how many teams in the NBA, like you feel like could use a, an upgrade at the backup center position. And I think he's a guy that has a path to be a long-term player just because he is good at the very basic elements of being a big man. Uh, and mm-hmm. if you can talk yourself into uh, a coaching staff, getting his defense and like foot speed and like switchability, like technique and that sort of stuff down, then there's a ton to like, um, what do you think of Okpara? And if he was like, I'm going into the draft today. Do you think he's a guy that you would consider drafting or would he be more in like the, the Charles Bediaco like two way tier of like, uh, you know what? I just haven't seen enough offensively. We'll, we'll put you on a two way or an exhibit 10 and and go from there. I'm definitely seeing to get it, see him if if I can get him on my summer league roster and maybe Mm -hmm. get him into a training camp kind of position. Okay. Um, he's, he's somebody, uh, he's somebody that, uh, you get around the rim and he's going to make an impact, you know, mm-hmm. uh, both ends of the floor. Really, really, really long. Like you said, six eleven, uh, seven foot, probably seven, six, seven, seven wingspan. If it, I yeah, like it might be that. like it, it, like legit like, might be like that type of wingspan. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's pretty ridiculous and moves his feet pretty well. And mm-hmm. uh, one thing that I've seen from him this year that he really, cause he was really kind of passive his freshman year as far as like scoring the ball. He will try and seal and seal and seal and seal again on a possession while uh, like perimeter actions are happening, and something will happen on there out there, and he'll have a lob, you know, and mm-hmm. it'll be great. Uh, <laughs> and very mobile rim runner, uh, yeah. a guy who you can't forget about in the dunker spot. No, he's, that's where he's been living this year. Yeah, he's been, and especially with the attention that Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale, who I'm really high on, draw. I like Roddy um, Gale too. Roddy Gale's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, those two guys, especially when they can get going uh, downhill, you just you you got to commit to them, and that's where Felix has been living offensively. Defensively, he is the kind of ideal kind of rim protector. I want to say I don't know if he's necessarily as strong as you'd want him to be, but I think he does have the frame to bolt up. Um, But he can fly around within that, within the paint and make some stuff happen. Like we mentioned uh, how he guarded Dembona uh, Mm -hmm. early in the pod. He, uh, Ohio State has had it. I mean, he played, he kind of had made Grant Nelson's life trouble when they Mm -hmm. played Alabama. Uh, Not a super high usage guy, but I don't think you ever really need him to be, you know? No, no. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be his role. I guess that would be like the other question I'll throw to you is just like, 
Because I, I don't feel like I have. So if you're like, no, that's fine. Do you feel like you've seen anything from him where it's like, maybe there's more skill flashes that like could unlock more of like a starter upside to him? Because I don't think I've necessarily seen anything where I'm like, oh yeah, like great. <laughs> well, like, and they don't short roll them. So it's hard, like, because they don't really run any pick and rolls. So that's how it's tough to be like, oh yeah, like he makes these great short roll finds. Like he is such a play finisher because he is just like in the dunker spot. Like, is there yeah. anything that you've seen either like handle or recognition wise that you're like, maybe there is more, or do you see him kind of in the vein I do, or it's more just like play finisher. If there is, there's nothing he's had really the opportunity to show, but uh, Mm -hmm. one little wrinkle that I I found funny is that I was looking through his film from his freshman year. He Mm -hmm. took like four threes in the big 10 tournament out of nowhere. Yeah, and, and was, like they looked. I don't think any of them went in, but or I think maybe one of them went in, but uh, it, it was just kind of out of nowhere. And he shot like one. He shot like three threes outside of that, and then he goes and shoots four in the Big Ten tournament. And it's, <laughs> I think he had a two so three weird. one to ten game out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Ohio State went on that on a run out of nowhere in the Big Ten tournament, and that was mm-hmm. great to see from those freshman guys. But yeah, I, I if there is anything outside of just dunking and blocking shots and rolling to the rim and screening well enough you know i i I haven't seen too much of it but uh closest thing is probably like just the ferocity he has on occasion when it comes to trying to seal off his defender and maybe even like do a little of the steven adams stuff where he where somebody's going downhill and he's sealing off the rim protector to get them a better look you know he does that on occasion and i think those little ancillary skills can probably get him on the court but it's not going to come with his ball with the ball in his hands Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting if you, yeah, if he is like closer to like 22 than 20. Um, yeah, because then I think, I mean, like, yeah, that's and I think that's listed on like Real Jam is to be trusted. He's mm-hmm. 19 years old and he's okay, got ways to go. To so, yeah, so even if you were to like theoretically be older, he's it's not like he's like 25, like it's not a DeAndre yeah. Williams at Memphis situation here. Um, yeah. How would you compare him to like, I don't know, like a, a Dayron Sharp or somebody like that? Like obviously like different like body types and play styles, but like, mm-hmm. I, I, I guess like, would... I think uh, mm-hmm. offense, on the offensive board where Dayron Sharp is like amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he has the frame to necessarily get in and uh, cause that same amount of havoc, but he does get his hand on a good amount of offensive rebounds just by reaching over guys, you know, and being able to jump higher. Um, I like the upside as a kind of rim runner though. I think that's where his offense can go. Yeah. I think, I think that's probably going to be the role. If I like trying to think of like who are uh, other, like just mobile athletic guys. Like if I sort like G league, like blocks per game leader, it's like, if we think he's coming in and he's like a two way guy, what do you think um, about him compared to like Kai Jones athletically? Ooh, I think Kai is like Kai's a world class athlete, but like yeah, but I don't think Kai was like strong or is like physically interested as Ofara is. Like Ofara like worked really hard when they played Purdue last year, and he had to guard Zach Eady. Like it seemed like he really yeah. took on that challenge. Um, He's taking on some solid big. You know, I mean, Big Ten always has yeah some really solid bigs. Wisconsin's always got a two in there that's going to bang down low and he uh-huh. held his own do you rather have him yeah, or would you Sissoko for mm-hmm. would you rather have if that's i was good. like hey t- hey you're the chicago bulls and someone is picking in the second round and 
like and they offer a scenario where it's like hey we just we just drafted felix okpara and we don't love it would you would you trade adama sanogo for him no <laughs> i don't okay, think so. so you'd rather have sanogo okay yeah sorry I I, I'm like, just the things that you can do give you can throw him the ball and you're not just like doing it so that he can dunk you know okay Got it. I yeah, think- I like to I like to try and gauge that sort of thing. It's just sort of see, yeah, where guys stack up to to current guys. Because I think in like some ways, it's like he's a cleaner fit than a guy like Sonogo. Like you could probably play mm-hmm. him on more teams easily, and I think that has like some appeal. But the skill level is quite a bit different. Like the touch is not the same. Obviously, he's got size on Sonogo. Um, yeah. So but like I think that's like. Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just think it's an interesting case where, like, he's so good at one thing that, like, I think mm. he's a guy that has a chance to come out early that people might not be thinking about. The same way Betty Yako did last year, but I actually kind of like him better than Betty Yako. Um, mm. So, yeah, I that was my last guy. So. The, the the role he's playing for Ohio State is kind of similar to the role that, like, Derek Lively played last year with Duke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just obviously not as, like, high of an upside is Derek Lively. Uh I think Derek Lively's faster too. Like mm-hmm. rolling to the yeah, yeah. He's, he's quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I think I I mean I think he's a summer league guy. I think he's a guy who yeah. can get in there, become a workhorse and really I think a coach will really like him. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. I think there's like way worse guys that got two ways last year. That yeah. like if he comes out, I think he's gotten one at least. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, there's just so many, like, I don't know, just, like, looking through, like, guys that are in the NBA right now. It just seems like the backup center position. Like, there's just a lot of – there's need for a lot of talent. Like, the bar to be a rotation center is high, but you look at a lot of the third centers, and it's like, I'm not crazy about a lot of these guys. Like, just a yeah. simple a simple rim-running rim protector is, like, a guy that I think a lot of teams have a need for. So Would you would you rather have 2A Felix Akpara, or would you rather have year 27 JaVale McGee, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Is it's like I – I like a lot of these guys that just keep getting these opportunities, like these, like JaVale McGee's, these like Dwight Howard's, like these kind of guys where it's like they, mm-hmm. the name keeps popping back up because there aren't guys ready to replace them in a lot of ways. It's like, man, it feels like there's a, a lot of opportunity for guys in mm-hmm. that mold. Um, so yeah, so that'll, that'll do it. We're going to wrap it up. Logan, I had a, I had a blast podcasting with you. You were, you were welcome back anytime. Uh, give the people a little bit of a reminder. Where can they find you on social media and find your work? So yeah, Twitter uh, at Logan A underscore NBA. Um, Instagram, I didn't do a ton there, so I won't shout it out. But Substack is uh, Logan Adams MBA dot Substack dot com. Uh, I also write for a student publication on campus at Ohio University called The Post. At The Post on Twitter, at The Post Athens on Instagram. Uh, but yeah, that's about it at the moment. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll see what we can do more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll keep up the great work, Everton. No ceiling is a big fan of what you put out. Uh, So thank you so much for joining us and thank you all for tuning in. Make sure you're subscribed to our podcast feed wherever you are listening and make sure that you are subscribed to our Substack, noceilingsnba.com and uh, follow the YouTube channel. The uh, the Tylers and and Corey and everybody else on our crew has been putting a lot of work into that. So go check that out as well. Until next time, we'll see you guys later.